Lying in a society of telepaths was possible, but just barely. The key was not to think about the lie at all, something akin to spinning a plate on top of your head while standing on one foot and reciting multiplication tables, or to lie to yourself first and often. The frightening thing was how often someone got away with it. The even more frightening thing was that lying well and being caught at it seemed to give a certain cachet to the telepath involved, and more often than not came with job offers. In the world of the normals, this was also true, though lying wasn't as hard if you didn't have to do it mind to mind. Politicians seemed to get re-elected more readily after a good lie. Bureaucrats seemed to thrive on them, and, in my job, contractor interrogator for the DeKalb County Police Department, a good lie to a suspect would get you anything you wanted. I was learning to lie well to the suspects. The trouble was, nearly everyone I met these days was suspect in one way or another. Homicide Detective Isabella Cherubino stuck her head in the door. We have a murder, Adam. Oh, goody, I replied. She looked at me. You realize I'm in the middle of an interview, I said. I helped her out on murder cases, but I was technically employed as an interviewer. The interview rooms were supposed to come first. You have ten minutes, she said, and closed the door behind her as she left. I turned back to the suspect, a thirty-something housewife accused of auto theft. You know, I'm a level eight guild-trained telepath, I said conversationally. Exactly nine minutes later, she had just finished explaining how she subverted the car's anti-gravity engine lock systems and how none of the crew she used appreciated her. I made all the right noises, and she finished the confession with times and dates. Finally, she looked up with bloodshot eyes and asked me quietly, Do you think I need a lawyer? I certainly don't know what to think, I said, the standard answer. I went to find a police officer to go sit with her. The empty spot in the room behind me, the spot that would have been Officer Bellary's, if he were still alive, seemed to echo. Not only did I need another person to do paperwork if I wasn't going to be here, but it would be nice to have a witness who could testify in court. I was a convicted ex-felon, drug charges only, and more than three years clean out of rehab. And while a video of a confession would hold in court regardless of the interrogator, I certainly couldn't testify. Besides, any day that I spent with Cherubino was a good day. I even liked helping with the murders. One of the secretaries found me on the way out and handed me a message slip. Kara, it read. Call Kara Chenoa immediately. Emergency immediately was underlined three times. Kara had been my fiancée once upon a time, well, until she'd reported me to the guild for the drug habit that had gotten me kicked out more than ten years ago. These days we were on decent terms. Well, when I didn't think too hard about the past. She had moved up in the guild since we'd been together, to the position of attaché to the city and she helped me with the occasional case I needed guild information from. In exchange, I tried not to resent her new job and new husband. Kara wasn't given to hysterics.
If she said emergency, it was. Are you coming or not? Cherubino asked, literally tapping her foot in impatience. Yeah, I said distantly. I'm going to need a phone. I need to get to the crime scene before Branson docks me for overtime for the forensics techs. There will be a payphone close by, after you do your reading mumbo-jumbo. My attention turned back to her. It's highly delicate, trained analysis of what the victim left behind in mind space, not mumbo-jumbo. Don't be touchy. I made a frustrated sound and trotted after her. She was in one of her moods, clearly.